I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So I told Con and Brian Lacey was on the show today and uh, he came out with a nice little statistic for me and he says, oh yeah, Brian Lacey, um, he, you know, he marked Paddy Bradley on his debut back in 1999 and I went, Jesus Christ, what a great place to start the show, Brian. What did he get off you? He cleaned me out, I think it was 1999, <laughs> Colin, after, after our, our, after our All-Ireland final defeat, defeat in 98, we were probably a bit hungover there when we played him. Yeah, so that was probably in in November, if I'm remembering correctly. So you would have been rightly hung over at that stage. Is that your excuse, or is this just Paddy Bradley's done it to Manny's a corner? You see, so you didn't have you. You were one of the first attacking cornerbacks, so you probably you know you you were too hung over to be able to take the game to him. Yeah, I think he was 18 years of age, so I probably didn't do any analysis or anything on him. <laughs> I remember a good story when you're talking about Derry actually marking uh, Joe Brawley and Jeffrey McGonagall up in. I think it was Bell in the screen. Would that be right, Conan? Yeah. yeah, that's the lovely, lovely little ground of ball on the screen. Yeah, so Derry. Yeah, I was marking Joe and uh, the, the fence is right up against the goals at the clubhouse. And Joe used the umpire, a pun on the word, to screen me. So I wasn't able to get near him. And Joe ran around the back of the goals and, and won the ball at the other side of the pitch. And he was hiding behind Jeffrey McGonagall. It was an interesting <laughs> day. <laughs> so, we, well, so we know that's illegal. We've had a few cases of this uh, re- recently. He, so he used to run around the he'd run around the back of the goals, and as you'd follow him, the umpire would block you. <laughs> he, he, he pulled the umpire, so the umpire got in my way. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, well, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, the new rule: you can't deliberately go off the pitch. Yeah, he would have been caught for that. Yeah, yeah, he would have been caught for that. What do you remember of Paddy's debut, Conan? You can be nice now, or you can be tell the truth. No, do you know, I actually can't even take credit for it. It was a Derry legend, uh, Jared O'Kane, who gave me the story. Um, like, he's also a fountain of knowledge. And he said that 
he was going down with Owen Bradley because he's in the same club as him. So Owen's Paddy's brother. But on the way back up the road, Baker Bradley, who's Paddy's dad, was apparently like so annoyed at Paddy because he said that you were driving an into him, Brian, and Paddy wasn't giving you anything back. And he was saying, <laughs> Baker was saying, like, you know, this, this is county football now. You need to harden up. And apparently you were the making of Paddy Bradley. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, isn't that desperate? An old, ex- uh, well, not an old experience, an experienced player beating the shit out of a little 18-year-old uh, and his very first debut. I was just teaching him some tricks. <laughs> what, 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 what was ahead of him? <laughs> right okay lads some good news anyway so like I mean there was TDs and and different ones tripping over themselves to break this news the good the good news story that we're obviously out of level five into some sort of a level three and full panels now are going to be allowed in Croke Park which seems fair enough like I mean 26 um, being allowed in and the rest not um, you know isn't very fair but I'll tell you another thing Brian that isn't very fair and I'm just kind of thinking about it now that you, you you just kind of think about the 26. Like, I mean, imagine not being in the 26 and not getting to tug out. Like, you are training as much as everybody else. I can remember my disappointment at not making the first 15. Now there's fellas giving up their lives, giving up their, you know, a, a lot of things to go down and train and not be in the matchday squad of the 26. Like, I just can't comprehend that. I, that wouldn't even be a decision for me. I'd be on Hill 16 watching it instead. Yeah, it is crazy. Those rules came in years ago, didn't they, where they changed the numbers. But, yeah, I was talking to even Kevin O'Halloran and Alan Maloney and guys like that never got to tug out uh, on the day in Munster final against Cork. And, you know, Kevin was pivotal in the 2016 team. He got the last couple of scores to beat Cork that day in 2016 in the Munster yeah. Final. So for those type of guys not to be able to tug out who've been there for years, that is tough. But I remember as well, when you look back in it too, like when we went in under the Hogan stand on the bus after coming from the Gibson Hotel, actually, that's where the Dublin team prepared, I think, for matches. We thought we were great. <laughs> if, they, if, if it works for them, it should work for us. That was our, our mantra. But going under the Hogan stand in the Tipperary bus... Remember pulling up and getting out of the bus with the lads, and then suddenly two Mayo buses pulled up behind us—one for the management team players and the other for their for their extended backroom team—and we were kind of laughing at it. But it just shows you maybe COVID—they won't be allowed in with the two buses this weekend. Well, that's the thing. So, like, obviously, you're talking about the 2016 game. You were in the backroom team uh, for Tipperary. We'll 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 get to that in in a few minutes. Like, I mean, I don't know, Conan. Like, I mean, people talk about the 26 and all this. You're still not tugging out. You're still just sitting in the stand. Am I right in saying that? Like, I mean, only 26 can tug out. I think that's equally as lousy. I, surely surely there should be a nice round number of 30, which would be an A versus B game. And, obviously, you know, it would get most of the people who are there training togged out. Yeah, and then you're, you're wondering, like, should there just be a cap on county squads anyway? Because, like, you are raising an interesting point. We were saying the last few weeks how, how harsh it is on these players who are doing all that work and then they're not even allowed to go to the game. But... There is another element. It's like, do you really want to <laughs> yeah. like stand freezing in Crook Park when you know you have no no part to play and like yeah, you're probably going to be given some shit job. Like, you know, you do the stats there or like it is an interesting one. Like I'm sure most of them would rather be there and especially if they're doing all the work, they want to be part of it and go onto the pitch afterwards and be in the, the changing room. But yeah, but, uh, yeah unless you do unless you do a John Terry, you're in your civvies though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you got their full gear on. Yeah, that's like a big shit. <laughs> yeah, they, I'd say they probably would or they'd feel a bit like frauds. You'd be in you know, you'd be in your normal gear. Thirty sounds a round number too for the warm up too. You take out the two goalies then and you can have two seven aside games there. Yeah. 
20, well, I suppose 26 you can do that as well. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, you can have seven aside games when you take out two goalies. And I do think 26 is a weird number when, you know, a panel at 30 would at least be your A versus B games, you know, and I'm sure panels are bigger. But if you're not into 30, I would say, look, lads, just, you know, go have a pint <laughs> and you'd be all right. Come here, James Horan was talking about crowds, lads. And this is an interesting one because he was I always taught that the crowds for for the likes of Mayo drove the team on and you know they're a huge kind of advantage to them and I would say the same thing about Dublin and then James Horan's kind of painting a different picture he's talking about the 2013 final the day Andy Moran got a goal in the second half to level the game up and he said would it have changed things that day I don't know but there was a sense of anxiety that that day um, that came as opposed to taking the moment. I felt it a little bit, yeah. There was a sense of anxiety that day that came as opposed to taking the moment. So, like, I mean, he's talking about the anxiety kind of coming from the crowd when they did go level. And I'm immediately thinking of the Lee Keegan goal in 2017, which put them ahead. And then that sense of anxiety. And I don't know, Brian, is James Horan fair to say that that comes from the crowd? Or is that just coming from everyone that's from Mayo, including the players and the management? Yeah, yeah, it comes from both, I suppose. Like Mayo having a crowd, like Tipperary will, won't have a big support. So definitely you would think Mayo having a big crowd will have a big impact to them. But now, obviously, that won't be the case the weekend. But yeah, looking back at my own experience, gee, when t- in, t- in 2016, when Tip played Cork, we were leading with a couple of minutes to go and Cork started to come back into it because, you know, as sports psychologists talk about, you're looking at the end line rather than focusing on the process. But definitely the crowd started to, as, as, as the significance of, of, the, of, the, of the victory was there, the crowd definitely rose Cork in that particular game. And I suppose from the Kildare experience as well in 98, uh, definitely the anxiety built in there when we it took us two games to beat Dublin after we beat Leash then after that do you remember that? <laughs> uh, it took us two games to beat Dublin but it was definitely there was a lot of anxiety at the end of the last five minutes when you know Kildare hadn't beaten Dublin or Mead or Kerry in that particular year so the anxiety does build in but that's where sports psychologists have, have, have changed that process. Yeah, and I think as well, uh, often in situations like this, anytime I remember myself getting nervous kind of on the pitch as the finishing line gets closer, it's usually a few leaders that don't maybe feel that nervousness or have to take on that responsibility that pull you over the line in those incident- incidents, um, Conan. Like, there's there's definitely an element of it. Like, I was thinking about the 2016, the first game. You remember they came from six points down and it looked like they were going to go on and just put the game to bed because they were the better team and they... When they got into that position, they stopped. But I, I don't know even if that's a crowd. Maybe there is anxiety coming from the crowd, or is it just a case of, holy shit, we're almost there, 1951. You know, all this stuff comes into your mind anyway, regardless of the crowd. And to be honest, I was just thinking, like, you mentioned the crowd drive them on. Like, when you're playing Dublin, it's so easy for that game just to die and, and get get out of sight. And I think the crowd have been so important for Mayo to keep them on it for 70 minutes. Like, they, they might maybe not help when the, when, they're, when the finish line is close, but I think if it wasn't for the crowd, then those games, like you see with most most Dublin games, they just finish after 40, 50 minutes. And I think that, that could happen a bit more often with Dublin yeah. Mayo. Paddy Christie was talking about that kind of anxiety during the week. He's in the Mayo or in the Tipperary uh, backroom team. He might have taken your uh, job, uh, Brian, this year, but I didn't. I didn't actually know about his Tipperary connections until this week. He was saying I played in a Dublin team that lost so many big games in Leinster, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one finals, all equally shit. By two thousand and two, you're beginning to wonder. 
Tommy Lyons came in and he was telling us that we're going to do this and that. And there was no real evidence to back that up. You love his honesty there, don't you? He says, when you're consistently losing massive games, it does create doubt. That pro- that's probably why in the last five minutes against Cork, even though we were the better team, we limped over the line. History was against us and the fellas um, were nearly looking over their shoulders. That's natural because that's what had happened with us when we finally won the Leinster in 2002. I was a different player. And I suppose, Brian, that's it. Like, I mean, the, the crowd and stuff like that is irrelevant. It's that kind of anxiety that comes from not having won before you need to get over that. And when you get over that, maybe like Tipperary did in Munster this year, now you're a different team. But getting over it that first time is the hard one. Yeah, well, the other, there's another side to do. Yeah, there's another side to do is pressure as well. And like the Tipperary players do, do kind of play off the cuff. They don't have the pressure of the supporters or the media in Tipperary putting pressure. So they play they play freely. And that, that anxiety probably doesn't manifest itself then in a pressure situation. It's just, yeah, the, the, the looking at the end line is probably the most important thing. But yeah, 2000, when we got the two goals against Dublin that Paddy's referring to in the second half, maybe the anxiety kicked into the Dublin team in that yeah. second half because we we it seemed like, oh no, it's going to happen again, maybe. That sort of thought process goes into their heads, you know. Yeah, because like, I mean, the, the, the dubs back in the noughties got that same anxiety from the crowd and from themselves, Conan. Um, you'd often sense it in Croke Park when things were starting to turn against them. You could use their crowd against them because, you know, they're like, oh, no, here we go again. Like, I'm, I'm trying to talk about the crowds maybe a little bit too much because they're a complete. They're not, they're not going to be a factor this weekend at all. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I remember in 2007, uh, Derry were playing Dublin in Croke Park in the quarterfinal and it's how quickly it just turns poisonous like you know the Dublin crowd when when things obviously weren't going good and the crowd almost as well are expecting them to not win like the the way Paddy Christie's thinking the Tommy Lyons is talking bullshit like the crowd are there just waiting for something to go wrong and like I think I mentioned before like they were jumping on top of Kieran Whelan for anything like and he was obviously a god back then but it was just how quickly that, that it got very vile and I think the Derry crowd fed off that as well, and they were way more supportive, and the Derry team fed off that too, because you can you can hear the groans, the player, like I'm sure you've had it as well yourself, I, I don't know, do you get it as much, like, you know, with a leash crowd uh, as a Dublin crowd, but, like, it's not a nice sound, you know, when everyone's like, ah, oh, like that, that loser again, <laughs> you know, and that, that, that was happening, you could hear that in the Dublin crowd. Yeah, Dublin, yeah. Dublin obviously have moved on to a point where the crowd believes in them enough to allow mistakes happen and you know trust them so Dublin don't really have Dublin have earned the right to not feel that anxiety from the from the from the crowd as much like I mean Thomas Galligan is taught was talking about it and and uh, Mickey Graham was talking about it you know they were talking about how how much less pressure is on them because of no supporters added and because of lockdowns and things like this but they're going in against Dublin Brian I mentioned on the last show and like they have a huge advantage from Dublin taken off Dublin. Yeah, because the, the Hill 16 is not yeah. there. Ninja, you mean, is it? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I remember Mark and Jason Sherlock in, in, in front of Hill 16 and all you can hear is like 15,000 people behind you going, J-O, J-O, you know the song, and you're marking this guy and you're going, she's a better win the next ball. Or, you know, it, it does feed into you. Well, that's it. When obviously, when Dublin get goals, the stadium comes alive. Like I, I don't think I think Cavan will be well in in this game. We'll get onto that um, a little bit in part two. But definitely in a winter football with no crowd in Croke Park, I don't see this being a Leinster Championship type uh, type hammering. Here's one I want to throw at you, uh, Brian: is David Power. 
Um, and he said this, we mentioned this last week. He said, he said, he said, I said it before the Munster final, we're the kind of team that gets better with better opposition. And we know Tipperary were almost relegated to Division 4 this year. They never seem to get it together in the league or seem to have too much interest in the league. Um, they're able to seem, seem to be able to raise the game against better teams. And if they're playing a poorer team, they seem to play at that level as well. Like they scraped over Limerick. I'm not saying Limerick are a poor team, but they were a Division 4 team. Like, you know these lads very well. Can you explain this one? Yeah, well, well, some of it is just the nature of the guys at the the team in the panel at the moment. But a lot of it's down to the tradition and Tipperary and the history there. Like you've got to bear in mind when I played league football for, for Tipperary, there might be a hundred or two hundred at a match. Or after Tipperary got to the All Ireland semi final in sixteen, the first league match in seventeen, there was only seven hundred people at it. You know, then you go to Newbridge when I played with Clare, there was seven thousand at a league match. So from, from yeah. motivation and a pure kind of pressure, you're going to be. I'm not saying you wouldn't be prepared for the league, but I think Tipperary people, they're great footballers, great skill levels. But I do think historically they get better as the year goes on, better as the championship kicks in on good ground, summer football. And like in 2016 there in Tipperary, you'll you'll have heard that like we had to beat, we had to draw with Sligo to not go down to Division 4 and ended up in, uh, in an All-Ireland semi-final. So similar to this year? Yeah, very similar to this year, yeah. And I think it's just... The tip guys kind of, I won't say they don't care about the league, but it's, the league is going to become more important now because of the two-tier system. But historically, tip, 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 the supporters, Tipperary people didn't mind whether Tipper in 3-2 or 1. They look forward to the championship. Right. And, it, and when I played in 95, 96, 97, we played Kerry three years in a row, but we were always geared towards the championship and we kind of used the league to get fit for the championship. And it was that... It was that kind of seven weeks from the 1st of April to the middle of May where the serious training was done. Right, OK, that's a, that's interesting, Conan, because usually you think that the lower division teams are desperate to get out of it, but Tipperary might be a little bit more like, ah, look, what's the big deal here? Um, let's just get ready for the championship. I, I was just wondering, if Tipperary are the sort of team who play at whatever level they're playing at, the only other team better on them at that is Mayo. So what sort of fucking game are we going to have here? <laughs> like, at what level did they play at? Is they're both waiting for the other team to set the level? Yeah. Well, do, we, do we play at Division 1 level or do we play at three, Division 3 level? That's what we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen uh, this weekend. Before we get into that match, we'll start with that match. I want to, like, I mean, I was just looking in the examiner there and they were talking about the use of the advanced mark. And, like, Cavan have played four games and they have three marks. Dublin have th- have played three games and have three marks. I could be wrong, but Paddy Small seems to get every single mark they they get. Tipperary have three games and two marks, and that was they, those two were with Connor Sweeney in the in the final in either half. And Mayo have had three games and one mark. Now, excuse me, lads. Now, I don't want to get into whether we like the advanced mark or not because you know most people don't like it. But what I'm wondering is, Brian, it's in the game. Whether you like it or not, it's a very, very easy shot at the goals. How are we not seeing more teams working on getting an easy mark and an easy score? That's a great question. I I think there's a number of reasons for that, Colin. I think pressure probably in terms of stats and efficiency and turnover rates, you know, all this tracking by the stats teams puts pressure and possession being paramount is one aspect to it. They don't want to give the ball away. But I do think in Crow Park the next day, you you probably will see more marks because of the dimensions of the pitch. But also another factor too is probably winter versus summer um, during yeah. winter time. And also teams haven't really got a chance to properly work on this mark during the summer with COVID and all that. 
Um, I suppose defences too are closing down that middle channel in front of the D and they're like, okay, if you want to mark, you can have it out by the sideline, but you're not going to be able to score during the winter out by the sideline. Yeah, I know. And I take all those points on board, Conan, but like, I mean, you, and, and I do take all that. It is winter football. It's harder to get them. But I haven't seen any evidence from any team. I haven't seen watched a game and gone, Jesus, they've done a good bit of work on the mark. You know, they're clearly, you know, trying to get them. You know, mm. really, you know, they're, they just come about rather than, you know, watching a half of football and going, Jesus, yeah, they look like they've been working on that. Well, that's it. And to be honest, I, I will be very disappointed in Cavan if they don't do it because I, I watched yeah. the, the three double matches. Just just looking for any ray of hope that they can be got at. Like, and uh, Dublin conceded 27 points in three games and like three of them were from the advance mark. But there were four occasions where the other team won the advance mark and just had enough space to turn around and score. So that's seven scores out of 20. And that's not a lot of scores they're giving away anyway. But Dublin... Dublin are loose at the back and, and they're open and you know there's just a lot of space there to be kicked into. It's, it's actually, it's so surprising to think like every time a team kicks the ball forward, the, the player is usually out in front to win it. So if Cavan of all teams aren't trying to exploit that, it's it seems to be a bit of a weakness of Dublin. Whether it's enough to beat them or not, I don't know. But And it's obviously a strength of Cavan. So if they don't try to utilize it, like I don't know <laughs> if all hope is gone. And, and you're right, like whether... Whether or not you like the advanced mark or not, it's in. Use it. It's a very yeah. handy way of scoring. And, and especially against Dublin, because they're so hard to get through when they drop players behind the ball, that surely to God, Cavan's game plan would be built around uh, getting marks. I don't want to use up my analysis for that game, because yeah. I want to get into the into the Mayo Tipperary, because obviously this one is going to be closer um, of the two, so we'll cover that one first. Um, David Power was saying during the week, Brian, that we won't fear Mayo. I believe in this Tipperary football team that if we get a performance that will be very close to Mayo. And I tend to agree with David Power. Like, I mean, you only have to look at the 2016 game. There was nothing in this game other than a late Tipperary goal kind of put it to bed. Like, Tipperary wouldn't have any fear of Mayo whatsoever, Brian. And, and like, obviously going up to an all semi semi-final, when you see the kind of both Kavanagh in, not being affa- afraid in any way of your opposition is a good place to start. Yeah, they're very like actually Tipperary and Cavan, and they, they, which is kind of interesting. In 2017, both of them came head to head in the last game to get into Division One, but they're both two maverick type teams, um, and that's and that's the way Tipperary play. And there's probably a, there's a bit of tradition and inner belief there. A lot of them have won all Ireland's playing hurling, and they've won underage, obviously in the football recently, not in not in the past. But um, so there is there is an inner belief in the Tipperary lads. The the way I used to slag even. Uh, Willie McCreary and Glenn Ryan when I came up to Kildare and said, how come you've never beaten Dublin, lads? And I, I, I learned to shut up anyway, saying that. <laughs> and Willie, but sorry, going off the mark there. But yeah, definitely they, they believe they can they can, they can can beat Mayo. But they're a, they're an interesting bunch of guys. They're, you know, they're intelligent footballers. They're, they're a real solid unit and they all work for each other and socialise together outside of outside of football, which is interesting. So they're a very galvanised unit and they will believe that they can beat Mayo. And a lot of the same players are there since 2016. Yeah, I was counting it there. Nine starters for Tipperary that started in, 19, in 2016 started against Cork in the final. Where's Josh Keane as a matter of interest? Yeah, Josh went travelling, actually. Yeah, he's a big loss there as well. Yeah. But I suppose the one thing in the middle third, Josh was one of the fielders and Tipperary have probably inherited a few in that area since so yeah maybe maybe the one but there, there's no doubt Conan Tipperary won't have faced a team 
of Mayo's kind of caliber when it comes to uh, pressing kickouts, when it comes to work rate, when it comes to the that famous word energy that James Horan uses. And here's a stat that Eamon Donoghue had in the Irish Times, um, always like his pieces. Mayo has made uh, 68 turnovers. Um, you know, either dispossessions, interceptions or whatever. 32 of them or 47% of them were made by a forward. Like Tipperary won't have met a team that doesn't tackle the whole way back. You know, it doesn't say, right, okay, we didn't win that turnover. We'll, we'll you know, filter back. Mayo tackle you as you're trying to get up the field. You, you're not, you don't get up there easily. No, and I sure it couldn't be a more light and day sort of comparison as well between how uh, Cork tried to break a team down with men back and how Mayo tried to break a team down. Like Mayo were just fed up waiting around and, and they just go at you. Like it's it's such an interesting matchup because I think almost both teams have a strength where the other is a little bit weak. And I think like you know Tipperary are going to like, we always talk about David Clark's kickouts, but they're going to force him to go long as well as much as Mayo is going to press Tipperary. But Clark is going to be forced to go long. Tipperary want that because they're big and they're strong and they're they're animalistic around the middle. But then you know whatever amount of bodies the Tipperary drop back, like Mayo are just going to go at them. Like I was thinking about Brian Fox and all the all the good work he did the last day, and you know coming back and just just making himself yeah energetic as you say, but. Like I think Ashi Mullen will pick him up and just go to town. Like, and you can't leave Ashi Mullen free, you know. And there's there's little elements of that that's going to happen all around the the pitch where Mayo will be liking what Tipperary are doing and the way they're setting up. Meanwhile, Tipperary will get advantages, I think, from what Mayo are doing. Yeah, I don't fancy being in Brian Fox's shoes if that matchup does uh, does come about, considering the age profile of the two of them and the way Ashi <laughs> Mullen attacks. Here's an interesting one, though, um, Brian, and it's all about the the Mayo press and their their kind of their strategy to press you high up the field. Like they don't have a good fetching midfield. So here's the weird thing. Mayo put on an aggressive press and always when you put on an aggressive press, you're hoping that the team that you're playing against goes into midfield. Mayo are forcing the opposition into an area where they're not that strong themselves. And wait till you hear this. This is a stat that Eamon had as well. In the Connacht Championship, teams kicked long against Mayo 81% of the time. Now, that's obviously a combination of Mayo forcing them to do it and them actually wanting to do, to do it anyway. Um, and he said that 72% of the time, Mayo lost that kick out. So in a weird way, Mayo's press actually works better if the team goes short because they can turn them over. Whereas if they go long, the press actually works against them. Am I making sense? No, you certainly are, Colm. Um, I think the key here is the middle third Middle third Tipperary, I think, had 12 turnovers in the first half and scored five points from it. So it's one thing the ball going out to the middle, but it's going winning, winning, winning the turnovers. But Evan Comfort can go short, he can go long. The players in the back line in Tipperary are able to carry it. They're also able to, to win it, as we know, out in the middle third. So I agree with you, though. Um, if, if Mayo do press and Tipperary get a, get long kickouts off and then suddenly the ball is going inside to Michael and, and Connor, then there's danger there. So Mayo have a lot of, I believe Mayo have a good few dilemmas here. You know, do they, does Aidan O'Shea go out to the middle and help the, help the kickouts in the middle? Does he stay in full forward? Do, um, does, does Clark go short himself or does he go long? Um, do Mayo start with some of their older experienced players that have been on the bench there's a, there's a lot of lot of unknowns that we don't know what Mayo are going to do whereas Tipperary are going to play the same way they play as a unit uh, but they can carry it or they can kick it in long so it's going to be an interesting game 
No, it, def- it definitely will. Where, how do you? What do you think Tipperary will do? Should, you'd imagine Comerford will go long, Conan, based off those stats and based off the fact that Roscommon gave Mayo even a lot of trouble in midfield who wouldn't be known have a strong midfield. And you have you have fellas like O'Reardon, you have Stephen O'Brien, you know, you have Casey out there, fellas who are well, you know, there's a big advantage for Tipperary. For me, it doesn't make any sense for them to go short and risk that turnover Half of the Mayo for, f- turnovers coming from the forwards. I, I would be very surprised if they if they ever look to go short once. Like you know, I don't know why they would want to do it because, like we know how good at defending Mayo are as well one on one. So even from from an attacking point of view, you want to win the ball high up and get it in early get, and get it into like two of the best forwards in the country as well. By the way, so you want to try and to set them loose. So it just suits them like in in every way, whatever way you, you slice it. And yeah, like Brian's talking about Aiden O'Shea. I, I don't think there's a scenario where Mayo. Will get away with not being able to bring Aiden O'Shea out because, as you mentioned, Willie, like O'Reardon, O'Brien, Casey, like you have Matthew Ruan. I think Stephen Cohen might be important to one of those three, and and then yeah, I see Cohen. I see Cohen having to go in on either Sweeney or Quinn Living. I'm thinking Sweeney. I don't think Cohen will be out there at all. Jesus, and then if that's the case. Like, what's happening then? Because you already have like Connor Loftus out there, you know. So I think Aiden O'Shea is definitely going to have to come out anyway. There's there's three big, physically big and just like mentally big problems for for Mayo around that middle. And I think Tipperary will definitely go for it. And yeah, like Mayo we're going to have to have three players that can match up with them out there. Tip, tip went long with their kickouts, Brian, 83% of the time against Cork. So they're doing this anyways. It's just that they're they're, they're, yeah. they're definitely going to do it because they have big strong men out around that middle third. So it, it, the point I'm making is that Mayo's press, which is a big advantage for them, and it's a big uh, plus, could be ineffective. Yeah, correct. And it's not just about fielding the ball as well. Colin Reardon caught some great balls at the end of the court game, which were long ones needed. But Con- Coleman Kennedy, Brian Fox, Robbie Kiley, they're picking up the breaks as well. So, it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I think like Joe Hayes doing a lot of work I, I'm from talking to him earlier in the year with, with Evan and Paul Fitzgerald did in the last couple of years and Evan can ping them long he can ping them short um, so it's going to be interesting it, de- it definitely will what do you make of the kickouts, Brian because we've been talking on the show a good bit about teams going short and trying to put it through the, the, the pin of a needle too often trying to do what Stephen Cluxton does when Stephen Cluxton is a very very unique player you don't see you don't see a corner forward that's not as good as Gooch being told to do what Gooch does. Do you know what I mean? I, you see Galligan, for example, yeah. against Donegal. He went long 14 of 16 kickouts. I see the weaker teams. I don't mean to say, I don't mean that in a bad way. Weaker teams are in the bloody all in semifinals. But I see teams st- starting to go, here, what are we doing here? We're, lo- we're losing ball in our half-back line with super short kickouts and scores are coming off them. Yeah, like it depends on personnel, obviously. I remember yeah. when- 2016, we we had George Hannigan and Peter Aitchison in the middle of the field, um, you'd, and you had Josh on the right, and then you were hoping Michael Quinlivan might come out. That was it. There were your and and Peter was more of a movement midfielder rather than standing holding his ground in the middle. So we had a different type of system. Then the lads have a very good system this year based on personnel. But I feel like the way the rule has gone now with the kick out with the 13 metres around the D, I think it's a great great for the referees because they know exactly how far the ball has to go. But it's you're finding full back, back lines are wrapping around the D. There's space down the wings. Um, but teams now are able to... What's happening in the modern game too is when teams win the ball short, what we're starting to see now is the midfielders and the half-forwards are running away from the play 
they're running down the field towards the opposite direction and they're they're opening up a kick pass and then there's a dilemma for the other team do they follow those midfielders half forwards that are running away from your wing backs or are they rather than coming back trying to help you and take the ball off you it's a kind right. of risk versus reward yeah, no, that probably makes sense trying to get ahead of the ball, Conan. We always talk about that you've no kick options unless you have players ahead of ahead of the ball. And and, that, and that's it. And like we talked, remember like you mentioned Ross Common there, like Mayo having this mad press up and Ross Common just ignoring it. Mayo were vocal. They were all in position. They were like really up for trying to trap them and Ross Common just went along and, and, and won the ball. And like how... You, how risky would that have been as well? They just had to try to like find that short kick out at, at any cost because you know it wouldn't have worked. It would have been completely eaten up. Meanwhile, they could expose him inside. And again, we're like I mentioned that Quinn Livin and Sweeney are up top. So why would you not want to win it in midfield, turn around and get it into them? And then like yeah. ask that question of Mayo, just just play a quicker game because that's like you can be damn sure that Mayo are going to run the legs off you. And like I am worried a little bit about like Oma Gawkin and Paddy Durkin. I just don't know. Like, I don't think there's anybody there to tag them. Like I think the the two Kennedys will probably just drop back and and free them boys up. So when Tipperary are playing, I think they have to play just a much quicker, much longer game. Yeah. Now, one point we should make about the the kickouts is that obviously you can't give it back to the goalkeeper. Now, maybe that's feeding into the longer kickouts yeah. as well. You know. Yeah, a lot of teams though, Colin, are, are kind of working around that. So you give it to a corner back, and then he gives it to the other corner back. So and then it goes to the keeper. Then it goes to the keeper. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. just ways around everything. There is, yeah, but you've Aidan O'Shea torturing you as you're trying to do this. I suppose <laughs> maybe well, with, with his strength, like he's getting a lot of their turnovers up there. He's a menace up there, uh, Brian. And it's hard to know. I agree with uh, Conan and yourself. Like he, there is points in that game where he's going to be needed in midfield, especially if if the games pan out like Roscommon and Galway were. Or being out outfielded, but at the same time, like the damage he does in there, you know, and Mayo are getting a lot of their scores off Conroy, yeah. uh, O'Shea, and O'Con and uh, Killian O'Connor in there, and it's it's hard to know as a tip man where would you prefer well, to see him? Um, well, well, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I think a, I think the full back line of Tipperary is underestimated. Um, Jimmy Fien has gone back to full back. He was always a full back at underage level. So, so um, also Colm O'Shaughnessy and Jimmy Fien were in the full back line against McHugh and Cormac Coslow in the under twenty one semi final twenty uh, uh, before they played Tyrone that year. So, and Alan Campbell is the most consistent player in Tipperary in the last fifteen years. So, there in twenty sixteen, Jimmy Fien and and Colm O'Shaughnessy were only just turned twenty one. You know, they're now twenty three, twenty four. So. I think that I think Tipperary full back line is very solid. Obviously, John Maher isn't around, but and Kieran McDonald is not there from sixteen. But Jimmy Feehan, he's the kind, he's like the Sean O'Brien of rugby. He's a farm farming background. Yeah, he's a hardy bit of stuff. Yeah, and he's naturally strong from the farming side of things. So I don't know who's going to pick up who. I haven't been talking to anyone at Tipperary, but uh, Jimmy would be would be well able to take take Aidan O'Shea and or Alan Campbell. Right, that would be yeah, it'd be interesting to see. How come we didn't see as much of Bill Maher bombing up the field anymore? It was a real feature of the 2016 team. And maybe because they've been going long in the kickouts, Colin, <laughs> which you just spoke about there earlier. <laughs> yeah, but he could run off their shoulder. I know he has himself and Robbie have been bombing down the wings and uh, and uh, and Foxy as well. So um, Robbie, 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 will be really looking forward to this game as well after 2016. 
Yeah, we saw a lot. Yeah, he got the black card early. We, uh, the point I was making against Cork, we saw an awful lot more of Robbie Kiley attacking than we did of Bill Maher. Yeah, well, that's because probably Robbie Kiley was playing seven. He'd normally be six there the last couple of years with Tipperary. So he's back out to the wing because Kevin Fahey has slotted in there at six and Jimmy's gone back full back. So um, that's probably why. Um, right. Right. As as a as a Tipperary man as well, another one for you. Like, I mean, are you worried about Ushin Mullen, Ole McLaughlin, Paddy Durkin, Lee Keegan? Like, I mean, you're talking about defenders who bomb forward, and I don't mean bomb forward in a Ryan McHugh kind of a style where they're running across the field and they're waiting. These Mayo boys don't wait around. You know, like I mean, you're if your forwards drop off them to try and get back into zonal positions, it might not work. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but I think I think the way Tipperary have been set up from looking in on the outside, they've been a kind of a defensive unit. They haven't been they haven't been man marking every opposition player. They've been kind of marking zonally in the middle channel or the middle third. Um, they've been working as a unit and they've they've alternated different people dropping back. So and that's a sign of a good unit. Like Stephen O'Brien, Liam Casey, all these guys are able to drop back into defence if needed. So. Um, I don't see the like certain players being told follow Paddy Durkin everywhere. The question is, Paddy Durkin marked Michael Michael Quinlevin in twenty eighteen. Will will he mark him again? Yeah, that's the big question. Lee Keegan obviously marked him in sixteen. Um, Conan, we'll do a few matchups here because I think it's a mistake putting Paddy Durkin back in on Michael Quinlevin in the full back line because obviously Michael Quinlevin used to come in and out a good bit. I don't think he'll be coming in and out based off the Munster final. And I think you're wasting Paddy Durkin because, you know, Paddy Durkin did very well on Shane Walsh in the half forward line, taking the game to him. He, he, you're taking that power off him by putting him back in the fullback line. I think that would be a mistake from Mayo's point of view. I, yeah, I don't think he would do it. I think the, they're, they seem to be seeing Lee Keegan as that player now anyway, where, where, where we're thinking, are they, are they tampering him a little bit? Like, can they let him off the leash a bit more, but they're they're just assigning him these roles? So I, I think it would be Keegan. But And also just the way, I don't think James Horan looks at Paddy Durkin like that. Like, you know, we talked about him shouting on like to Paddy Durkin. There was a stage against Galway where you could hear, like you just hear, go Paddy, go. And he's like in his own half, like, you know, but like James Horner is roaring at him to get up the pitch, almost like, you know, that player underage who's just so far ahead of everybody else. When he gets the ball, you just go. And I think they will never want to sort of uh, tie him up with somebody like yeah. Well, yeah, but they, they do put him on, like they put him on um, Enda Smith and they put him on Shane Walsh. But those two played in the half-forward line. You know, that's the point they're making. I, I'm, I think it might be a bit of a push to put him back in the full-back line. No, I, I think so. And I think like you know, Lee Keegan will be well-suited to him because he's matched him there before. He's played the whole season in the full-back line. And I just think like Durkin wants to be... like The reason, like yeah, with Enda Smith and Shane Walsh, he can expose them because they're going to track him and he can take them on up the pitch as well. Would Michael Quinn live and do that? I'd imagine Tipperary will have those conversations beforehand. Um, Brian's talking about that zonal thing that they've got going on. Like They don't need Michael Quinn living, following whoever it is back the whole way down. So I think Durkin has to be freed of those shackles anyway. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, like, I mean, you have Dirk, if you have Lee Keegan on Quinn Livin, you know, having Barrett on Sweeney, Brian, there's a definite advantage for Tipperary there. There's no doubt in that area, Lee, that you can see that from the players just standing beside each other. That's why I was thinking maybe Stephen Cohen might be put back in on, on one of them, just to have some sort of size in there and not have two big men who are decent in the air in Quinn Livin and Sweeney against two smaller um, markers. Yeah, and there you go. All the decisions that you're talking about there seem to be Mayo have got to make decisions. Um, 
um, and hopefully they overthink all these things, which they, they have. They like do. I do. <laughs> I may have done it in the past too. They switch, <laughs> switch goalkeepers and so on, and we won't go into that. But look, the bottom line is, I think Tipperary, Tipperary can give the ball in high, and you saw that against Cork. They're not afraid to kick it in. If once Cork didn't have the the double sweeper, if they didn't have cover back, Tip will kick it in. They're not afraid to kick it in. They can run it if the other team have have sweepers, as we saw saw down the wing, and then the likes of Sweeney Quinvan come around on the loop. So Tipperary can play it different ways, and they can come right down the middle too with Liam Casey and Stephen O'Brien and Colin as well. So Tipperary have a variety to their game, and I, you, you might think I'm talking up Tipperary here, but I'm just talking about. the the positive sides to their game and, and how they can counteract what may what Mayo do. Yeah, no, they have a nice variety. Now, we were saying on the Monday, Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that Tipperary were playing a double sweeper a lot of the time against Cork. And, you know, Cork allowed it, them have it. And it completely cut down any options Cork had in the full forward line. And it played into Tipperary's hands. And when Tipperary got turnovers around the 45, they looked fantastic breaking. Now, I'm wondering, will Mayo give them the turnovers that Cork gave them, number one? And number two... Will Mayo allow Tipperary the double sweeper or will they say, here, let's move our whole team up into the Tipperary half. Every man will have a man. Mayo are well used to doing that against Dublin. And, you know, that's what I think the good teams do against teams who want to drop players back in zones. They just don't give them that, you know, and will Tipperary be ready for not being able to double up to the extent that they were against Cork? Yeah, but if but if Mayo push up and double up on on any defensive players to tip back there, it's going to leave space in the in the forward line in Tipperary. Then, so it just, it's a double edged sword every every time. Yeah, exactly. I suppose that's it, Conan. It's a it's a matter of um, taking the double sweepers away from a team on both sides, and. If you do that, well, then potentially if Aidan O'Shea is in the full forward line, now, as we've said before, now that kick pass into him will open up. And, you know, if he catches it, players are concerned about who they're meant to be kind of marking rather than being able to double up on him. Yeah, this is why I think that the Tipperary are probably a bit more predictable coming into it. Like, I think they're still going to ask questions and pose problems, a lot of problems for Mayo, but I think... I think they'll still set up the same way. They'll still have the the same units around the middle. They'll still have the boys dropping back because I think that's the that's their personnel and it suits their team and it suits it suits them to free up space as well for for Sweeney and Quinn Living. And I think for for Mayo, then it allows them to be the team who offer the most variation. And I think that they will just be flexible. Like that's when you get the best out of Aiden O'Shea when you can bring him out when you need him out and then when you can put him back in and like. Aiden O'Shea can go inside and not even do anything, but he's still <laughs> such an asset for them in there because it's Aiden O'Shea and nobody's leaving him free in there. And he's just he's causing them a headache. There's usually, if there is a sweeper or a spare man, he's usually keeping an eye on Aiden O'Shea as well. And that's just, like we've seen it already, it just frees up Killian O'Connor and Conroy. And it actually frees up O'Connor to come out deep as well. Like he goes, he's he's gone very deep this season and just just gotten his hands on ball. He's a great kick passer. He's got good vision. Like I always find corner forwards are usually the best kick passers because they know the the type of ball that the corner forward wants. You know, so when you have Aiden O'Shea in there, that just gives them that little flexibility. And I think I, I just I just don't see what way Tipperary can counteract those four that you mentioned, like you know McLaughlin and Mullen and Durkin and Keegan, like. You know, Quinn Levin is maybe one of them because he'll keep Keegan wrapped up. But then there's still three others, and if you push up on them, I still I still don't think they win one on one, and I don't think they cause them enough problems attacking them. And if you drop back, I think as you say, they just go straight through you. They don't go around the outside. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be difficult for them. We'll finish up here on this one on predictions, Brian. It's fairly easy uh, to get your one. Yeah, yeah, I think Tipperary, given that they didn't get to play in Crow Park there for Bloody Sunday, it'll give them an extra incentive going in there this weekend, given the year that's in it now in front of the Hogan stand and in front of the hill. Hopefully the 2020 Michael Hogan will be looking down on them. But, ah, look, there's a performance coming again. They've had two weeks since the Munster final, so... Best to look to David and all his all his team. They've done a fantastic job already this year, um, and they're in bonus territory. But I think this is the opportunity to 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 repeat the nineteen twenty final. Well, there you go, Conan. I'll throw it to you next because we know the forces with Tipperary here, and we were powerless in our product predictions before the the provincial finals. The final in in uh, nineteen twenty was Tipperary Dublin, and Tipperary won it. Now I don't think the force will even help them if they get to the final against Dublin, but it might help them against Mayo. I meant to ask um, because you were threatened. You were threatening to go to mass. Did you end up going? <laughs> <laughs> no, I need more evidence, Conan. I need more evidence. If Tipperary win, I'll seriously consider it. Yeah, yeah. I still need a bit more evidence about the force as well. I, I think <laughs> I think it's going to be an absolute cracker match. But I think Mayo will the running power. Um, I even think that Conor Offsis could have a big game. Just like I think he'll struggle obviously around the middle with the with the kickouts and stuff like that. But I think it could just cause them problems going forward, and that's what they that's what they. Want them there for as well, so um, I think Mayo will make it. Yeah, it's a difficult one considering the forces behind Tipper. I don't think there'll be anything in it. I'm not sure it's going to be a classic, if I'm being honest, because I think that, uh, like I said, Cork made that made Tipperary look great by giving them easy turnovers. I don't think Mayo will do that. I think it'll be a, a more tactical game. Um, although in fairness, both teams are usually involved, often involved in classics. But I think Mayo, Jesus lads, if the four, if if uh, there'll be nothing in this, there'll be nothing in this game. I don't know. I'm ju- I just kind of have in my head it'll be a Mayo um, Dublin final. Um, but I would be, I would not be in any bit surprised. I'm going for Mayo tentatively. That's all I'm going. And this could, e- this could easily be a Tipperary win or a draw or anything like that. Right, lads, we we'll leave it there and we'll come back with the other semi final. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you malamente si si All right, so Dublin versus Cavan, lads. This is Saturday night at half past five. Dublin are one to 50, lads. So it's hard to know where, where you go um, with this one for starters. Um, I think one to 50 is 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 a bit of a disrespectful uh, bet to Cavan, if I'm being honest. There's no evidence to suggest Cavan are one to 50 outsiders against Dublin. I would understand that against teams which who Dublin have done that you know, to be four in Leinster a lot of times. I think for the Ulster champions to be put in at one to 50 against Dublin, Brian, I think that's a bit disrespectful. I think so as well. Um, people at the start of the year were talking about Donegal going to put it up to Dublin and Kerry were going to put it up to Dublin this year. So if you were handicapping horses or anything like that, you'd be saying that both Cavan and Tipperary and Cork are, have, have beaten the likes of Kerry and Donegal. So they should be higher up the pecking order with the likes of Mayo and that. So on a line of form this time of the year, the way Cavan, the momentum that Cavan have, have gone, there's no reason why they, they can't put in a big performance against Dublin. But on the flip side of that, 
But what you, when you look at the likes of Brian Howard is starting to make strides now in Dublin. Paul Mannion isn't getting on the team. It's only stronger Dublin seem to be getting. So it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, and Cavan obviously don't have much experience playing in Croke Park. Now, like I mean, two of their players, Killian Clark and Jason McLaughlin, they've played championship, they've started championship and Killian Brady came on as a sub in 2013 against London. Um, like, I mean, so Dublin obviously have a big experience playing in Croke Park, but it's not the Croke Park as usual that we'd be talking about, Conan. This is a pitch, right? It's a pitch with a fantastic stadium that will be empty. Do you know? Like, I mean, so Dublin, their advantage in Croke Park now compared to what it would be if it was a full stadium, it's nowhere near the same. Like, I mean, obviously they're going to have an advantage for their forwards, kind of know their range, you know, kind of like when you get into Croke Park for the first time, like I always found kicking into Hill 16 was very misleading. You thought, I always thought I was further away from the goal. You could be standing inside the 45, which you'd feel with is within your range on the canal end. Mm. But so, so on the Hill 16 end, it's like, Jesus, I'll never reach the goal from here. And you're standing in the same place. I don't know what it is. It's about the terrace. So there's, there's definitely things like that. Kevin haven't had an opportunity to go and play or do a tra- you know, do a, a, a training session on Croke Park, which sometimes... I think maybe you can. I was reading Mickey Graham saying that. But it is not the advantage to Dublin, you know, that it usually is. It, it's, just, it's just not the disadvantage to Cavan that I think everybody was sort of making it out. I, I thought that some of the, the narratives, remember we were talking about taking the game out of Crew Park, playing it in Navin. thought it was almost like borderline insulting to Cavan as well. Like, you know, Cavan are a good kicking team. They're they're very athletic. Like, you know, Crew Park the pitch as you say like the size of it will suit Cavan like they're they're well able for it and like yeah like 1 to 50 is disgraceful odds like they're the Ulster champions they've won four games they beat <laughs> they beat Monaghan they beat Down they beat Donegal they were behind in all those matches like everything we know up until this point is that Cavan are not a flash in the pan like you know they're a team who have been asked questions they're a team who looked dead and buried and they've come back and yeah over the course of four matches they've proven their worth they've won the Ulster title they're by far the most like you know successful county in Ulster like by a distance you know so that we talk about tradition before like you know the the former players of Cavan and their their parents and grandparents and stuff would expect Cavan to be winning things like you know so it's almost a, a bit more of a natural title for them to be coming in here as Ulster champions like yeah now they have 40 Ulster titles but they've only five All-Ireland so maybe at this stage they might not have that with <laughs> the same winning <laughs> mentality for five, five years in fairness <laughs> <laughs> come here no but I was just thinking, just to get off this Croke Park advantage is like I always remember going to Croke Park and the one thing that it was very difficult to get used to was the whole match day experience it was the training up the road it was getting the bus and a Garda escort and it was all the leash fans waving in at the bus and it's very easy kind of lose your focus in situations like this and then you arrive to Croke Park you get out and walk on the field and there's a buzz around the stadium even though it's only half full and then you go back in and it's just something that you've never experienced before like I mean you're, you're the excitement is just it's it's indescribable and then you run out and there's a huge ovation with the crowd and it might take you a few games to maybe get used to that and for your management team to get used to what time you go up to Croke Park, where you warm up, you know, did the guard escort work, all these little small things. And, you know, that match day experience is not there for the Cavan players. It's just another pitch in a cool, empty stadium. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they'd be more happy that they've had two weeks to gather themselves. But 
Look, the, the the players are the formats now for matches are all done out to a T. So the players will be following the exact same routine in terms of preparation, when they warm up, what they do an hour before, what they eat. So all those little processes help that a lot more in the modern game. So I've no fear for Cavan and Crow Park. Um, they're a very tra- they're a traditional county with huge support. They'll they'll be looking forward to it. Remember, nineteen ninety seven was the last time they're there. If I'm correct, in the All Ireland semi final, and. Uh, yeah. I think somebody got married in Cavan and they got a helicopter up to Crow Park uh, to for, watch the match and then they got a helicopter back for the reception afterwards. They didn't want to miss, miss the match. That's so much the couple kept, you know, loved the football so much and they do up there. Um, and there's a lot of families involved, and, you know, the usual Rileys, Brady's <laughs> on, on the Cavan teams and they're there again. And uh, they seem, like Tipperary, they seem to be getting better though as every game goes on. And, Given the year we've had in 2020 as well, the likes of Tipperary Cavan have got to play games with their clubs, has helped their fitness levels. Then they've come into the Ulster and Munster Championships. They've both got a couple of games. Because even Thomas Galligan, did he not start in the first couple of games against Antrim, Monaghan? And then he he's suddenly becoming a starter. So I think Cavan are in a good position. They've, they've used 23 players so far in the Ulster Championship, which is which is a big number, which shows that they do have strength and depth because they're going to need it when they... When they when they unload the last five or six players against Dublin, yeah, no, like I mean Galligan, I think he he was he got Player of the Month, and he was I'm sure he was asked about that. He made sure to say, to tell people he was carrying a knock for those first two games, as in now lads, I'd make that team if I'm fully fit now. So don't be don't be don't be putting me down as a sub, which I like. He was also talking Con, and he says there's no pressure on us. Um, we're going out and playing football. The favourites tag probably weighed heavily on Donegal, so hopefully it'll do the same to Dublin. I don't think that's going to happen, Thomas. You might as well hope for something else. He, he continues on. He says, I hope, or I suppose it's a little bit daunting. Uh, that's playing Dublin, but it's also exciting to be playing the best team in the country. You know where you're at after you play them. It might be a bit daunting or whatever, but I think more people will be excited to get playing. Now, I didn't really like those comments from uh, Thomas Galligan. A Donegal player wouldn't say it. A Kerry player wouldn't say it, that it's daunting to play to play uh, Dublin. Like, I mean, I don't know, Colin, am I reading too much into this or should an Ulster champion be saying it's daunting to come and play Dublin in an empty stadium? No, th- this is it. It's like, there is that element as well where they're they're a novel champion. They had like 97, was it? You know, so Dave, like whatever happens against Dublin, this has been a monumental year for this team anyway. Um, So there is that element, you know, and even like the, the conversation afterwards and in the post-match interviews when they were being asked about Dublin, like, the interviewers were almost like laughing, like, oh, you have to play Dublin now. You know, whereas the tone would have been completely different if that was Donegal. Yeah. Because, like, we've all been ready for Donegal to play, to play Dublin. Now, maybe, like, you know, privately, Kevin are, are thinking, like, you know, we're going to go down here and, and ambush them. I, I don't know. But, like, yeah, even just trying to say that Dublin are, are they've got the favourites tag and, you know, they have to carry that. Like, when was the last time Dublin weren't favourites? 2011, probably, against Kerry. Um, you know, like, they're, they're well used to that now as well. I just hope that. There's a there's an inner belief in Cavan, like you know maybe they might be saying all this stuff because they know that's what the the conversation is. But I, I hope that they do believe because I think they can hurt them as well. Like you know, so I, I think they shouldn't be going down there daunted in those words. 
Yeah. Now, obviously, it's just an interview and maybe he's throwing that out there and they're saying completely opposite private. You'd imagine that they would. I think they have some good matchups um, for Dublin. They have Cavan have some very good defenders. Like, I mean, Faulkner will probably pick up Kilkenny um, and he's comfortable going out to the half half forward line. If that's where Kilkenny goes, he'll probably stay with him because we know Kilkenny and, and Khan like to switch in and out. And I love that centre forward, full forward, being able to switch in and out. Um, it just mixes things up a little bit and often full backs aren't really comfortable going out to centre-back and maybe in the switchover, things can get a little bit confusing, you know, Brian, but the, like maybe Jason McLaughlin on Connor Callaghan then, you know, Kieran Brady on Scully, Killian Clark on Howard or or Bulger, whoever uh, starts, we're not we're not too sure who start there. Like, I mean, they have some good matchups in the defence and then obviously Thomas, uh, Thomas Galligan and uh, Connor Madden up front. And if they, Connor Madden simply has to start, I won't accept this, uh, sub role against Dublin because the game could be over. Start those two up front, get some good diagonal balls into them, get yourself some marks because both are very good in the air. I think, and, and it's winter football, you know, and there is nothing expected. And I think Cavan, I wouldn't be looking at Cavan's prospects in this game anywhere near like a Leash or a Westmead or a Mead who've been beaten into submission. Yeah, like if you look at what do you need to take on Dublin or to beat Dublin? First of all, you've got to be able to hold on to the ball. Cavan are strong defenders. They're strong on the ball. They're physically strong. They're able to carry it out. They need to retain their own kick out. They have a very good goalkeeper who can go long, can go short. So they're ticking those two boxes. The middle of the field then, they've Garrod McKiernan who can, who can field the ball against anyone. Will Dublin, you know, will Brian Fenton maybe target him? Uh, I'm not sure probably that match up there but I, th- I think James McCarthy is a guarantee to pick up M- McKiernan because McKiernan can go centre forward and McCarthy is equally comfortable centre back or midfield um, I don't think Fenton will be will be picking up McKiernan I think James McCarthy's made for him Possibly yeah possibly right there will he yeah but but on the flip side, what can what can a team do to to try something different against Dublin? If there's any team equipped, it's probably Cavan. You saw there; they're not afraid to to launch high ball into the full forward line and and get it in very early before Dublin get their defence set up. Um, and that's something that Cavan might try. We saw even Fermanagh had a bit of luck with against Dublin a couple of years ago with that with that Dublin full back line, which is probably not the strongest line of the Dublin team. No, it doesn't seem to be. And I think in the air, it's natural to say that they're not. Fitzsimons would probably take up Galligan, which, you know, aerially Fitzsimons isn't great. Although he's a great sticky marker and you'd have Davy Byrne taking up Madden um, inside. Like, I mean, you would say advantage Mayo there, but only or advantage Cavan there, but only aerially Conan. So what's the message here? Get it in early, aerially. And, and I, I think if Leash and Meath taught us anything, is that Dublin just look a little dodgy under those high balls as well. Like, you know... <laughs> It's 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 a long time since I remember Kerry trying this high ball in in the league final, like and they just constantly tried to put it in, and and Rory O'Carroll was knocking it down for Philly McMahon. Like it's it's not the same team, and as Brian says, like they they're a little weaker back there. Like they're relatively probably still better than most people in the country, but you can see chinks in the armor back there. The the Galligan thing and the Fitzsimons thing is interesting because I was trying to jot down like yeah, just matchups and how the teams would line up and. I was starting to think, I don't think there's any way that Howard can't play because, you know, what happens when Galligan goes out to the middle and the Cavan are top-heavy around middle with all those big big men that they have out around there? Like, it, it's it's just causing them such a problem. Does Fitzsimons follow him out there? Do they have enough 
players out there then to pick up Galligan when he's just looking to take those kickouts off off Raymond. Um, yeah, I, I think Calvin like can sort of they can switch things up as well the way like Kilkenny and and Con can do it. Galligan can go out win kickouts and go back in and cause them problems. And like there was a there was a ball in against me that that just dropped in and it actually bounced in the like about fifteen meters out from the Dublin goal like. You would like you wouldn't see that in a good underage team, but the fact it came in with snow coming down on it and it just bounced high up into there and you know, me won it and they won a free and it's just like yeah, there's just a little bit of uncertainty in there with Dublin. Yeah. We say it on the show the whole time that like I mean, the Dublin defence can be got at. And like look at Owen Merchant. Um you have Johnny Cooper, you have McDade. You have Davy Byrne, who's a good player, but these lads aren't superhuman. Like Brian Fenton is superhuman, but if a team's brave enough to tr- potentially try and find weaknesses in the Dublin defence, Brian, it's just for a lot of times they just don't. Yeah, and you saw that with Cooper as well over the years. He had problems and uh, against uh, Clifford and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, but but look, Dublin are Q two. They're able to change mid game if t- a team puts two big guys in. Even as you said, James McCarthy, I'm sure, could pop in full back if he had to, uh, and they can adapt to whatever's thrown at them, and that's that's what makes Dublin such a such a good team. But uh, look, hopefully, over 70, 80 minutes, if Cavan keep playing the way they are and keep keep get enough possession, because possession is paramount against Dublin. You just can't give them the ball off your kick out or off their kick out. You've got to got to go at them to do two different ways. But you're not going to be able to press them every time either on their kick out. So you've got to just kind of have a hybrid type system and, t- and when you're pressing them and you just have to win all your own kickouts. And it could mean taking risks at times um, to win your short kick out. Yeah. Galligan went long against Donegal, similar to Evan Comerford. He went long with 14 of 16 kickouts. Again, that's going to make perfect sense. Donegal have a good press. Dublin have the best press in the country. The problem for Galligan is how he's going to keep it away from Fenton, um, Conan, because you often see Fenton when you're at games and he's been dragged to one side and he kind of knows he's been pulled out. He's kind of leaving his man and trying to pawn him off to get across to where that ball is going, going to go. You know, it's vital because Fenton, like I said, I was talking about the backs, but Fenton is the one player on the Dublin team that no team really has a match for at the moment. Maybe David Moore, you know, David Moore or Jack Barry can track him, but fetching an all-round game, you know, Cavan are definitely going to have to come up with a plan. They're going to want to go long with the kickouts and then they're going to want to keep it away from Fenton and they're going to have to put, you know, they don't want enough hang time on that kickout that Fenton can get across to it. Well, that's it. Like, he, yeah, the reason that everybody has a problem with Fenton is because he's just, he's just good at everything. Like, and his, his basic skills are phenomenal as well. Like, he, he, everything he does is just... He watches kick pass and it always just lands in somebody's chest. Like you know, there's never uh, he never takes ten meters off it or anything like that. He's just a, a pristine player and yeah, he's very smart. His game management is clever. He'll throw boys into positions that he knows that they're just trying to drag him out of. But the only thing I would say with Cavan is that they have so many options around the middle. Normally, a team have two or three. A good team would have, you know, where they're trying to hit. But Cavan have four or five. You know, so they they have a few more options. It will be harder for Fenton to try and cover the whole width of the pitch and if Cavan can line all those boys up then they can they can hit them wherever Fenton isn't 
Yeah, it, one, one thing, because we, Brian, we, we were doing the show on the Monday and we didn't talk about the Mead game at all because um, it was so one-sided. We talked about the, Le- the Leinster Championship. But one thing Dublin showed, they showed their hand a little bit with Conor Callaghan as an option for kickouts from Cluxton straight down the middle in the centre-half forward position. And he did it twice against Mead. And I was, I was thinking, watching it at the time, why are you wasting this on, on Mead? You're hammering them. Don't do it. If you do it once, just don't do it a second time to make people think that this actually might be a new kickout option. But it... Yeah. It, 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 you know, it is, but like, I mean, it's, it's hard to know where Dublin are at, really, Brian, because like they're hammering Westmead, Leash, and Mead. And say, for example, the unthinkable happened and Cavan beat them. Now, it won't happen if we're being honest. The analysis on the Monday then would be, geez, now, yeah, well, Dublin were getting it so easy, you know, and we never really knew where they were at. They've a new manager, you know, all this hindsight kind of analysis. But like, I mean, I see people lauding Dublin and lauding Desi Farrell. We actually don't know where they are at this year. They're not playing Howard and Mannion, which is madness as far as I'm concerned. And if Kerry were still in the championship, I would I would be saying there's a right final on here between these two. Yeah, and maybe they're holding back. Maybe the, the idea was to peak Howard and Mannion for these games in the last two games. Maybe did an injury we don't know, but you don't know anything because nothing comes out of the Dublin panel. No. We all probably talk too much. Maybe Dublin say nothing. But uh, in relation to your kick out there about Conor Callan, the modern rules have, have dictated that because what's happening is the Dublin full back line's coming around the D. Their wing backs are coming down the sideline. The centre back is popping. The two midfielders are going to either wing, take a men, and it just leaves a hole down the middle. So yeah. If you want to press Dublin, you've got to be you've got to be wary that there's other there's other routes that that Cluxton can go to. And that, on the flip side, that's the same for if Mayo press the likes of Tipperary they can, and the midfielders go either side. You've got Michael Quinlivan down the middle as well. So you know it's that type of scenario. It is. It's funny, yes, in a canon because you see Galligan. That's obviously that's an op- kick out option for Cavan, even when he's in the full forward line. That now. Someone in the full forward line is a kick-out option in the centre-half forward position. And it's a nice little kind of, you know, evolution of the game. It is. Like, I was very impressed. I think I actually did it three times in a row in that first half. And, like, two, like, they got the goal out of and then a score. But the the problem with that is that it's when you go man-to-man. Like, you know, playing man-to-man is, like, it's all right, but it's not aggressive. Like, you know, when you're playing man-to-man on a team who has their own kick-out, they can, they can do whatever they want then. Like, when all those cornerbacks when they suck in, when the wing-backs go out wide and you're playing man-to-man, you end up following them out. And and what happens then is that Conor Callahan, one of the best fielders in the game, is being picked up by a cornerback who has no interest and probably no experience in coming under a high ball from a kick-out. You know? So if you are going to try and press Dublin, I think you have, to, you have to commit to it. You have to bring a few more bodies there so you can cover the zones the way you want to do it and not have mismatches because... When you're playing man-on-man, you can just create mismatches easily. Or I was actually thinking, is it a bit too extreme? You either commit and overcommit and like you know, bring a few more men forward, or you just don't do it because you're not going to win it. You might, I don't know, will you, will you win anything playing man-on-man against Dublin? Just drop back if you're not going to commit to it. Yeah, yeah, but they're patient getting through that as well, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, mixing it up, like, you know, so if you're, yeah. when you can do it, get up, and then when you're not going to do it, you might as well just get back because you're going to lose the kick out anyway. I was just thinking that these uh, these full forward lines coming out for kickouts now is like fighting back against attacking cornerbacks. Where now you making us concentrate the whole way through the game. Now cornerbacks have to concentrate for kickouts, Brian. This is like a nightmare for cornerbacks. Yeah, that's the way the game has gone now with with the rules. But in fairness, actually, Ross Common had one very good tactic against Mayo when Mayo pressed Ross Common. Uh, Ross Common put four or five guys into a little spine right down between the, the midfield and the centre forward position, and they just went long. 
and they just hoped that they'd win it or it'd break and there was loads of space to break into. So, you know, something like that, maybe Cavan could try as well against Dublin. Yeah, no, it definitely definitely could. Well, well, one other matchup I think that that might happen, Conan, is that if James McCarthy picks up uh, Garod McKiernan, you could see John Small in midfield on James Smith, who's very very good going forward. And it might be like obviously the 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 modern game now, where a lot of positions are kind of you know mixed around that middle third. Anyway, it wouldn't be any big deal for John Small to do that job. And I think John Small would relish. <laughs> I I had him and McCarthy down on either of them. Yeah, just a, a sort of sort of bracket between both of them like because i think john small could he would struggle a little bit maybe on the kickouts with garage mckiernan but i think again he would just love that challenge like go you out and shut down cabin's big man <laughs> you know and he would just not leave him alone for the for the whole game and maybe like are you losing something from james McCurphy by putting him on the garage mckiernan maybe not but like john small could do either i think and he'll do it well yeah, he definitely could. Right, we'll get predictions here, Brian. What do you fancy now? Um, usually in in Leinster, we go Dublin versus the handicap. Um, I'm not going to disrespect Cavan by saying Cavan versus the handicap. The handicap's 14. I'm not saying that's in danger. Um, I think Cavan, in, at this time of the year, um, with the confidence that they have from the win in the Ulster, um, will be re- well able to put it up to Dublin. To, to a point I think the last 15 minutes they won't be but I think up to maybe 20 minutes to go I think they'll be in the game I agree with you yeah I think I think Cavan will, will meet the handicap um, especially with the weather conditions it's going to be cold I think on Sunday so the ball is not going to be travelling as quick or sticking to hands as quick as well so um, but definitely yeah, they have a good bench as well Cavan so they won't be short of impact from the bench in that last 20 minutes and um, I do think I do think Mead are better than what they produced as well against Dublin. I think the Kildare game took a small bit out of Mead. Um, I think a week later after that Mead, after that Kildare game, so I wouldn't read too much into the Dublin Mead game. Yeah, I think as well we were saying, Conan, it's very hard to have seen where Mead could hurt Dublin. You can kind of see with Galligan inside, with uh, Madden inside. You know, we haven't even mentioned Martin Riley as a good industrious half forward who could play in some good ball. They've got good kick out options. You've got Rod McKiernan who can hurt them. Big, strong, powerful men, Faulkner, uh, Killian Clark. You've all these fellas who you can see won't kind of crumble against uh, Dublin. Against with Mead, they're a little kind of small running team which can be swatted away. I don't want to disrespect Mead, but I just see Cavan having a lot more about them. And I do take Brian's point that Mead definitely are better than how what they showed in the Leinster final. And like that's there's almost a mentality thing as well. Like over the three Leinster games, um like Dublin conceded from freeze only six times or two times in each game that a team win a free that they scored. Like Dublin's defenders aren't that clean. Like, you know, it just shows that the teams aren't going at them. Like they're not having a cut. They see the blue jerseys and they're turning around. They're panicking. Like, you know, and a couple of those times Paddy Small coming back. Like Dublin bring their forwards back. If you see Paddy Small between you and the goals, go at him. Like, you know, he's not a good tackler. So I just I just hope that Cavan bring that sort of attitude. Like, yeah, they, they can. They can definitely hurt Dublin. And like they're they're a team who can expose a lot of Dublin's uh, weaknesses. There's not a lot of them, but they can definitely do something that will that will rattle them anyway. So I hope that their their mentality isn't just like one where like let's get everybody behind the ball and just like you know hope that we can get through this because if they do that, if they do that, I'll be finished with Mickey Graham. I will. I think I, it surely that you would know what Mickey Graham could do. Mickey Graham could do that for the first twenty minutes and then go out. You you would know with him. I do like that about him. <laughs> You're, you're like he's just so unpredictable even within a game but like uh, but there is like i looked at those three matches and only one time 
did a team get a score from a counter attack basically from a from turning the ball from defense up to attack and that wasn't because they had a load of bodies back it was because Dublin missed a goal chance there was a there was a block on the line and the ball got turned over and then I think it was Leash who went up and scored yeah it was it was Kingston who went up and scored so it doesn't work like we know that Dublin don't give the ball away so you have bodies back sometimes it might be necessary but it's not a tactic to to beat them so I hope when Calvin get the ball or when they're going on with an attacking game plan, it's right, let's get Galligan inside. Let's get Madden on, hopefully, before 40 minutes have passed and the game might be over. Get him on from the start or get him on very early and let's go at them. Yeah, let's see what they're made of. Let's let's show off Martin Riley and Garrod McKiernan. Like, let's, you know, let's have a cut because, because they can do it. Like, it's going to be a massive ask, but they can definitely throw punches at them. Yeah, to, to talk about Connor Madden, obviously, um, Brian, he's like a lot of players. He blows hot, he blows hot and cold. So he's, you know, can kick points from all angles when he's on it, um, and when he's not on it, he can look fairly ordinary. Now, what better arena to put a hot and cold player is like betting red or black in a casino. I'm going, I'm going all in on black, and I'm putting Connor Madden in Croke Park starting, and I'm, I'm going on the fifty 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 that this lad's going to shoot the lights out. Yeah, and like, and there you have it. Like, Cavan are going to need to hit seventy-five percent plus, you know, of attack to score ratio to to win this game. And um, the other side of it too, like they have they have been in Division One, Cavan, so they have had experience yeah. of playing Dublin, which will stand to them. They're not going to fear Dublin. They're going to go in there and have a right go at it. And the longer this year has gone on, the longer that the likes of Cavan have a have a chance to close that any any fitness gaps that might appear between the likes of Dublin and Cavan. Yeah, and the whole thing as well, just another point on Cavan here, Conan, is momentum and confidence. Leash, Westmead, Mead, all these teams, they don't have any of that. They have the opposite of that. If there is, you know, something that's the opposite. Like, I mean, and you know yourself as well, Brian, from winning Leinster's, the, the momentum just carries on into a semi-final. Like, I mean, you come on with a huge confidence and Cavan are Ulster champions and that's not you know, to be sniffed at. And I think that momentum, we saw Fermanagh, for example, doing well against Dublin one year, even though they were beaten, they they put up a good show. And that was just through momentum coming through a few wins in the qualifiers. You know, like the, the Leinster counties never have momentum really coming in against Dublin in a Leinster final and have the whole 15 of 16 titles going to Dublin and have that defeatist attitude that Cavan just simply won't have. And these are, you know, things that you can't, you know, they're not tangible but they're there, and Cavan have them. Yeah, like they've won more games than anybody. This, you know, in this championship, and they they're used to winning, right? and they've gone out twice against teams who were big favorites against them, and they've come from behind twice and beaten them. Like so, yeah, like that's as much as losing's a habit. Like so is winning, and and Cavan are in that that habit. Like like the last four times they've gone out, they've won, and now for the first time they got a week break. You know, or they got two week break. They got a, a weekend off there, so um. They're probably fresher than they have been as well after playing those four Ulster matches and a couple of extra times in there. So yeah, like I think it's um yeah, like you know, look, it's it's not all set up for Kevin to go and win, but like there's definitely a lot of stuff in their favour as well as having a, a good team that can expose some of Dublin's frailties. Yeah, so I'm going during the summer. This could get messy for Cavan. I think winter football. I think they can keep it below ten points. That's the best I can do for Cavan. Um, Conan, what do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I th- I think Dublin will win by more than ten. Um, I think it'll be tight for a long time, and Cavan will. I think they will, you know, have a bit of success. But I think Dublin will win by just more than ten. Uh, Brian, I'm with you. I'm under ten points as well. 
Yeah, we wonder is a wishful thinking here, lads, or are we being realistic here? So we'll, we'll be talking on Monday about that anyways. Right, we've got run out of time here, lads. We'll leave it there and we'll be back on Monday. We'll review the two finals. Um, so we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he gets such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their houses for 10 years. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.